Welcome to the Silver Fox Entrepreneurs Podcast, a series of interviews to inform, inspire and support men later in life who want to start their own enterprise for profit or for pleasure. Hi, my name is Jim James and I started the Silver Fox Entrepreneurs Group in my 50s because my friends who were losing their jobs or were bored and felt insecure about keeping their jobs were asking me how to make money from their own initiatives. I've run my own businesses since the age of 27 in Asia and in Europe. I've also set up peer groups for younger entrepreneurs. And now I think there's a need to share information from subject matter experts, inspiring stories of men who've already started on the journey of making money from their passions, and to provide opportunities to collaborate and to increase the chances of success. I hope that you'll enjoy this interview and learn something that adds value to you. Do subscribe or leave a rating. And for more information, please visit silverfoxentrepreneurs.life. Okay, well, welcome to Clive. Clive Rich and I uh, met some time ago because Clive is actually a celebrated author of uh, negotiation techniques, but he's also a qualified barrister. So, Clive, could you just introduce yourself, please, to the Silver Fox community? Yes, delighted to be here. Thank you for the invite, Jim. Uh, so, my name's Clive Rich. I'm uh, a qualified uh, lawyer, a barrister, as uh, Jim says. Uh, I'm a, also a qualified uh, mediator and arbitrator. And um, after quite a number of years uh, in the media tech world, working for big companies, I now run my own business, um, which is a um, law tech business called Lawbite, which is uh, democratizing the law for SMEs. Great, Clive. And as a client of Lawbite, I know how wonderful it is to be able to access world-class and top-quality lawyers at an affordable price and using technology to make it all accessible. Can, can you just tell us, um, why do you think, uh, and I won't tell anyone how old you are, but can you tell us why you think it's great to be a Silver Fox entrepreneur? Well, I think the positive is that uh, you've been around the block a few times, you've got some experience, and um, I suppose what that helps you to do is um, have a perspective on what you're doing. So uh, you recognise um, that uh, you know, problems are never insoluble, they're never quite as bad as they seem, and uh, uh, triumph is normally temporary as well. So, um, and I think that's quite helpful because it um, helps you manage the you know, inevitable um, you know, ups and downs of, uh, uh, of, of running uh, you know, your own enterprise. Great. And, and can you tell us, then, Clive, can you tell us, you had a, obviously a successful career, several careers, really. Um, what led you to start your own enterprise, Law Bites? Well, I'd, I spent about 17 years working for um, companies like um, Warner and uh, Bertelsmann and Sony, and I started off running um, legal divisions for them, and then I'm sort of graduated to running um, profit centres. Uh, so I ran the digital business for um, uh, Bertelsmann and Sony in the UK, and I, I ran um, the business side of... Um, Simon Cowell's TV Ventures uh, with both those companies. And I found I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed being uh, an an entrepreneur, if you like, and um, 
you know, being responsible for driving revenues. And, um, you know, I felt I had some aptitude for it. And I, and I arrived at a point where I felt, well, you know, either you just, uh, you know, keep doing this and you, you know, you keep doing it for the company and, um, um, you know, dealing with some of the frustrations of being in a big company, which a lot of your listeners will recognize um, you know, in terms of um, budgeting and uh, multiple stakeholders in decisions and the length of time it gets to get, get anything done. You know, or you take your courage in both hands and go off and be an entrepreneur outside of the pastry case and um, see if you can cut it outside of a big company as well as inside. And I just, that's what I decided to do. So uh, it was a sort of uh, a decision that accumulated over a period of time. And um, eventually uh, I found the, the, the courage and an opportunity to have a go myself. And you talk about opportunity. What did you see then, Clive, that, that sort of led you to start Law Bites? Was this the first company that you started after uh, being corporate life or was there something in between? No. So I, um, when I first left the corporate world, I thought I'd um, build a a practice as a negotiator because it seemed to me um, it was something that uh, everybody needs, but generally speaking, people aren't very good at, they don't really, they're not very awake when they're negotiating. They don't have a sort of conscious toolkit that they use. Um, so I uh, wrote a book about negotiating called The Yes Book, and then I created a negotiating app, and I built a practice as a negotiator um, here in the UK and in the US and in Europe and, you know, farther-flung places like um, Iran and Pakistan, um, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed, um, you know, learning as well as uh, coaching and doing deal-making uh, um those settings that I was familiar with and also settings like China and Iran, which I wasn't so familiar with. Um, and it, it, while I was doing that, I, um, I held a, a position running my own sort of boutique media law firm uh, within, a, within a big um, top 30 UK law firm called Oldswain. And it was while I was doing all that that I noticed that um, – SMEs really don't get a look in uh, in relation to legal advice work. So, you know, all of the UK's law firms are really focused on, you know, big clients um, with recurring billing. That's really nirvana for them. And um, SMEs are regarded as, you know, not, not really worth spending a lot of time or energy on because, um, you know, they don't have a, a big ticket attached to their work. Um, and it seemed to me that was a massive potential gap because, uh, after all, you know, 99% of UK companies are SMEs. Uh, they account for very nearly half the turnover of UK PLC, about two-thirds of the employees. And um, it seemed to me that... You know, drawing on my technology experiences at Sony and Bertelsmann, that you know, if you could build a platform that would um, reach this rather diverse audience digitally and give them law the way they wanted it, which is uh, you know fast, affordable, and understandable, rather than uh, slow, expensive, and complicated, which is more what they're used to, then uh, you know you could be onto something very interesting. And so um, I decided. Um, that was really um, something I, 
I could get my teeth into. And it, inherently, it felt more scalable than uh, the negotiation practice because it was, wasn't just about me. So uh, I took myself off to um, a workspace pub um, in Farringdon in London and um, put no money in. And um, one person, we did two laptops. And we, uh, you know, we designed a software experience, um, you know, got the platform built. And slowly that has really overtaken um, the negotiation work that I, I, I did because, um, you know, the, the, the theory seems to have been proven in, in, in practice that it, it is a scalable thing um, that uh, SMEs really want. We're now on to our 26,000th inquiry um you know it seems to be delivering a service that people do actually need that's wonderful and and uh, as a customer i can say that it is um you skipped over one one part there about you sort of you got a workspace got the money and then got started um that makes it sound incredibly easy uh not not the find in the office space that's not so difficult but what about getting the money in can you just share what did you do for that? How did you manage the valuation? Who did you pitch to? Anything you can share about that? Mm. Well, we um, decided quite quickly that uh, you, you, it's very difficult to raise money without um, at least having a prototype of what you're, what you're doing. So um, the platform build needed to come first. Um, you know, if you go to funders and you say, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to build that, and you're pre-revenue, then you're, you're sort of asking a lot of people in order to invest in you. So we decided we need to build the platform first. So I funded that out of my own pocket. And then um, when we had something to demonstrate and some, you know, some real customers on the platform, uh, then we decided to go to Crowdcube for our first uh, money race. So Crowdcube was very young at that stage and um, it really worked. It really worked. So uh, people really understood our message. Um, they liked the idea of um, giving lawyers a bit of a kicking. And so we, it was a very popular kind of um, uh, mission on, on Crowdcube. So we raised um, about a quarter of a million pounds in a couple of weeks on Crowdcube. And um, in 2013, which is when we did that, uh, we were in the top 10 most successful crowdfunded companies in the country. So that worked very well. We did it again about a year later um, as we started to grow. And um, so Crowdcube was really the starting point for us. And um, I can't say the valuation was um, a scientific exercise, um, but uh, what I did know for sure, having spoken to um, investors, including institutional investors, was that the crowd were likely to be a bit more forgiving on valuation than um, institutional investors. And so um, that seemed very attractive in, you know, in terms of getting started. Um, you know, so we weren't having to give away you know, vast tracts of the company before we even got going. Okay, so we, we, you were able to share, maybe you're able to give away or sell away maybe 10, 20% and get to the sort of Series B funding where you after that initial crowdfunding? Yeah, I wouldn't say we were at Series B, but it, it, it got us going. And um, so we managed to create a £1 million valuation um, 
you know, raised um, uh, raised you know several hundred thousand pounds, and um, that was a good start, really. And I don't think we would have got either the valuation or the money raised so quickly if we'd um, gone the conventional route. And every step after that has been a bit easier because, of course, um, you know you've got you've got some progress to demonstrate, which is the most important thing, I think, when you um, when you talk to investors that you you can show that you successfully deployed the last set of capital and and made some progress. And that's terrific. And, and could you share them once you'd got that money in? Um, what did you spend it on? Because quite often people that I've dealt with over the years, they get money and they spend it on branding, for example, first if it's VC money. Mm-hmm. Could you share once you got that mm-hmm. tranche of cash in, what were your like the next three to six months worth of priorities? Well, the tech, the tech is a greedy engine and uh, always needs filling up. So we've all, all, always spent money on, on tech um, out of what we've raised. And... Um, the rest of it has, has really been spent on, um, you know, marketing and sales, which is a which sort of combination of people and, um, you know, third party um, fees that you have to pay for things like Google ads and, and so on. So, so the funding gives you enough, enough opportunity to build some more tech and say, look, here we've, we've managed to do this and we've managed to achieve that. And it also manages to help you um, show progress in building a market. And when you say we, Clive, uh, I've met you and I've seen a team, but do you have a co-founder? Because if you have a background as a barrister and, and a lawyer and negotiator in the music industry, it sounds as though you were great at all the content side and the, and the domain expertise. But what about the technology? Was that the co-founder's role or...? Mm. We'll be back after a quick break. Would you like to double your salary without starting another business? The easy way to do this is to join the board of another company. You get well paid for a part-time role. You get all the credibility that comes with being a board member. Plus, you get to hang out with some very cool people and learn how other businesses are dealing with their problems. If you'd like to know more, if you'd like to learn how you get your first board seat within 60 days, just click on the link below as uh, Unnoticed is a gold sponsor of our summit. So you get free tickets. Enjoy. I'll see you there. Well, I, I, I had a, a, a co-founder who helped me um, manage the technology piece. So he's, he's, he remains our COO. And um, so he's, he's very good at, um, you know, detailed planning, um, supervising, um, you know, tech building process, product development. And uh, I definitely needed that. Um, and um, we outsourced. We outsource the actual, you know, code writing um, to third parties. Uh, you know, like any bootstrapped company, just trying to keep mm. everything lean. Um, but, you know, we made sure we owned everything and that we were sort of directly operations. Um, that's worked pretty well, um, almost up to the present time. It's it, it's only now as we've got you know so much bigger that we're, we're starting to think about different ways of organising that. So, so that's fascinating to about outsourcing. What, what was the, the sort of the challenge uh, in the procurement cycle? Because if you were building something out that in a way 
was a concept. Did you have a hard time explaining that, or what, what did you? How did you go around procuring and getting it in on time and on budget? Well, uh, we started with a UK uh, developer um, in London, and um, that was probably the right choice because. Um, you know, English is the common language and they were geographically close so we could actually talk to them face-to-face, which I think was helpful. Um, I also had um, a non-exec, uh, effectively a non-exec CTO who um, has, has been with me from the beginning, Danny Schisler, and he was great because he sort of acted as interpreter between um, what the business was saying it wanted and uh, what the techies needed to hear in order to build it. Uh, and that, so that sort of worked quite well to start with. And then um, we, as the tech spend demands increased, um, we ended up outsourcing to developers in, uh, first of all, uh, Armenia, and then uh, the Ukraine. And uh, Danny helped with um, th- those processes. Um, both times, both in terms of uh, sourcing the right developers and then kind of you know, helping us, us manage the relationship so that uh, we didn't sort of lose things in, in translation. So that has that that worked um, overall, um, you know, always things that could have been done better or quicker, but it, it, it has worked for us. And, it, and it, as the company's grown... Um, in the past, it sounded like you have line management responsibility, but someone else is sort of maybe having the vision. How have you created and communicated the vision? Because obviously, your you know your thoughts here. How have you done that for the growing growing team that you've got? Yeah, well, um, I, I guess I'm quite visible in the business. Um, doing quite a lot of doing. Now, that, that has positive and negative sides to it. So um, the, the, the positive is, you know, people are hearing directly uh, from me, um, you know, what the, what the vision is and how I see it being executed. And that's, you know, hopefully is impactful and, and keeps everyone um, aligned. Um you know, the downside, of course, is that uh, you end up, you know, being a bit um, stretched a bit thin and, um, you know, not necessarily uh, executing everything as well as um, you could do um, if you're able to take a step back and, um, you know, leave some things to, to other people. So, um, so I think there are sort of pros and cons about that, but that you know the, the, the positive side is I think we've we've kept quite a tight vision and um, coherence in what we're doing, and um, you know being being very present in the business has helped with that. And if you could identify sort of maybe one key challenge that you've had over the last uh, I guess six years now since you started, can you share with us one maybe one key challenge and and how you've overcome that challenge? Well, only one. <laughs> <laughs> choose the choose. It could be the biggest, or you could do more than one. Any notable moments where you feel like it was touch and go, and you and you managed to pull it out of the hat? Well, I think uh, you know fun- funding is a sort of periodic 
challenge. It, it, so it never really goes away. So um, you, I think you have to live with that as an, an SME. Um, you know, unless you're running a lifestyle business where you are, you know, you're happy with a certain level of income and you're happy that it's a certain size and uh, you, don't, you don't really have any ambition to grow it, then, that, then that's fine. Um, you know, we've, from the beginning, really, we've been, I suppose, engaged in, um, you know, trying to build a capital growth company. And, um, you know, um, ultimately, I guess, um, you know, a sale or of some kind would be a, a sign that we'd been successful. So if you're going to do that, you've got to keep investing uh, in order to grow. And um, so that, so the challenge never really quite goes away because you're, all, you're always either raising the funding or um, spending it with a view to creating the next fundraising opportunity. And um, so I think I've learned a lot about funding and fundraising um, uh, over the last you know, period of time that we've been running Law Bites. I think we're on to our fifth raise now. Right. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's, that's probably the biggest challenge. I mean, so far, you know, touching wood, we've been, we've been successful every time. And, um, you know, each time you hope you're sort of de-risking it somewhat because you're bigger than the time before. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's nonetheless, it's, it's always a challenging process. And um, so I think doing that and then managing the day-to-day to be present in the business, um, you know, that, that creates, um, you know, that's, there's some, there's some um, tension in that um, dynamic. So we've now finally reached a stage where um, I've, I've been able to bring in an MD and, you know, one or two senior staff. And um, so I'm hoping that will, you know, start to make a difference in the sense that whilst the, whilst the funding challenges will, I think, always be there, um, at least I won't be, you know, submerged so much in the day-to-day business and it'll give me more opportunity to, to, to focus on them productively. Well, congratulations. It sounds like you've really, you know, managed to, do an, to work on the business rather than just in the business now. And you mentioned sort of tension. Part of the, uh, the remit for this sort of show is to talk about how we manage the tension and work-life balance. It was because um, I think you've also got a young family. Um, how have you managed that, Clive? I mean, not how did you manage to start a family? I think we probably know that. But, <laughs> but how, how do you manage the work-life balance? How do you set boundaries and guidelines and how do you communicate that at home and at work? Um, well, I'm not sure I am very good at that. Um, I'm very lucky. I've, I've had... Um, you know, very supportive um, wife um, who's always believed in the business and and always believed in in me and has been very encouraging. Um, even you know, at times when I felt discouraged, um, she's you know been very positive and supportive, and I think that's that's been a fantastic help. Um, so uh, you know, if you if you're if you're trying to do what we're trying to do as entrepreneurs and you know, you've got someone miserable at home um, because of the energy that requires. That's quite a difficult combination. Um, so I've been lucky to have, you know, someone who's um, been with me all the way. And that sort of created a, you know, a, a, a emotional um, platform from which the rest of the family's life can proceed. So um, we've got... Uh, 
four wonderful children. They're, they're getting older now. So um, uh, three of them don't technically live at home anymore, although I see quite a lot of them nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one's in his last year at school. Um, and so, and they've sort of grown up in a, in a, um, you know, a context which says, well, dad's building this business. It's, you know, it's, it's exciting, but challenging and, uh, we're all behind him, aren't we? And so, um, you know, I've been, my wife's support has kind of bled into the, the rest of the family and actually all the children at one point or another have worked in the business, you know, on school holidays or, or whatever. And, um, you know, I think they, they all understand what, what we're trying to do and that, you know, hopefully one day they'll, they'll benefit from it. And I think in a, in their own way, they they think it's quite cool that, that dad is doing this. So, so I've been very lucky, I think, with my domestic setup, um, and that's really enabled me to, you know, d- devote a lot of time to the business without, um, you know, damaging my my family life. Great, Clive. You're obviously a lucky man. And if people want to find out more about you and about Law Bites or about your Yes Negotiating book, how can they find out about you? Um, well, obviously, the, um, the, the the Yes book is uh, is available. You can buy it on you can buy it on Amazon. Um, uh, it's a Random House publication. Um, I've also written a book in the Dummy series, uh, Norfolk's All Business for Dummies, which is available from um, Wiley's the publisher and and, and other outlets. Um, I've got my own negotiating website still. I still get quite a lot of um, requests for negotiating work, and I do the things that. Um, I find interesting or engaging. So you can find me on, um, at cliverich.com um, for my negotiating work. And obviously, you can contact me through Lawbytes. Uh, we have a, you know, I'm very present on LinkedIn. And um, you can contact me through the website, uh, lawbyte.co.uk. Um, very easy to fill in an inquiry form and ask, ask for me. And indeed, I was thinking about whether uh, what, what I could offer to your listeners and um, I thought perhaps uh, one nice thing might be to say this we we um, we offer in any event uh, a 15 minute free consultation to all of our potential clients um, that's uh, that's part of our you know part of our um, mission for SMEs is to is to provide that um, safe harbour for them and if um, yes I do work on the platform as well not 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 much now, but I do do some. So I thought if your if your listeners happen to want um, their fifteen minutes to be with me, uh, that's fine. They can just um, fill in the inquiry form on the site and um, mention my name, mention this podcast, and you know the association with Jim, and um, I'll make sure that they they get their fifty minute call with me. <laughs> Clive, thanks very much indeed. And having uh, benefited from 15 minutes with you, I think it's well worth the time. So thank you very much indeed, Clive of Law Bites, uh, an, an inspirational man and entrepreneur and wonderful all-round counsellor in Silver Fox. Thank you for listening in today to the Silver Fox Entrepreneurs Podcast. We're wishing you well. Bye-bye. Do subscribe or leave a rating. And for more information, please visit silverfoxentrepreneurs.life and drop me an email. I'd love to hear from you and maybe we can get you on the podcast and share what you know or let me know what you'd like to know. Thank you once again. Have a great day.